I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. Welcome into another episode of a Quick Timeout Podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. If you have yet to visit the Dr. Dish Basketball website, you're missing out on a bunch of great resources there. Included in those resources is a shooting drill series that I've designed for you to use with your teams. For each drill, you'll find a diagram, explanation, and also a video of that drill. To find those, simply visit drdishbasketball.com and click on blog from the drop-down menu. Again, that's drdishbasketball.com. Today is a first. For those who have listened to the podcast for a while here, you're familiar with the name Rex Walters, college and NBA coach who's been a guest here on the show. Today, we are privileged to have his daughter, Addie Walters, on the show. Addie, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I'm happy to do it. Addie is currently with the Iowa Wolves, the G League affiliate of the Minnesota Timberwolves. And why don't you go ahead and kind of tell us your journey, basketball journey to there with the Wolves, and then maybe just a little bit about what you do with them right now. Yeah, sure. So um, born in Kansas, didn't live there too long before kind of my dad started moving a ton. So I've moved 26 times in my life, kind of life of a coach's kid, uh, always, always on to the next thing. Um, but that's been a lot of fun. So my playing career started at San Ignatius College Prep, did all four years there while my dad was at USF. And then from there, I wasn't heavily recruited, went to Cal State Bakersfield, played two years, decided to transfer, went to Stetson University, sat out, played, graduated, the bachelor's in psych. And then I, I got an offer to, you know, play in the WCC at Santa Clara. And, and that was a conference, you know, that I, I grew up watching. So I, I jumped at that opportunity and, and played my fifth year at Santa Clara and, and got my master's too. So that kind of sums up um, my plane. I, I, I would have loved to go overseas for, for a year or two after I uh, finished that fifth year, but ended up uh, tearing my ACL in February right before COVID hit and, and decided, you know, I, I don't want to go through a six-month kind of rehab and not doing it with the athletic staff. It would have been pretty hard. So really kind of dove deep, nose first into coaching and trying to get my name out there, find opportunities. It was tough with COVID. You know, I, I had a couple interviews, but all the kind of positions that I really was going after, a lot of them were cut just because they were super entry level and and nothing that teams really needed. So I just started emailing G League teams kind of once NBA was kind of had their had their season going. And, and Iowa Wolves were one of the teams that they were kind of looking for one last staff member to go into the bubble and interviewed with them a couple times and and it worked out. So my title with them was basketball associate. I did kind of all their video, a little bit of scouting, personnel reports, a lot of ops and and yeah, kind of just helped where um, there was any loose ends. We only had a three person coaching staff. So hmm. gave me a great opportunity to, you know, get my hands dirty with scouting reports, helping in practice and and yeah, the video. So it, it, it was a great opportunity and I'm I'm excited to get back with them this next season. Yeah, you mentioned even the size of the staff, and I've, I've talked mm -hmm. to some others who have worked with G League before, and 
uh, you know, even talking with your dad about his work with the G League and like some really great coaches, I think that we don't necessarily think about at that level. Maybe like biggest things that you learned in that first year with the Wolves? Really just to use my voice. Um, if you have an opportunity on a staff to kind of make an impact, um, even if it's not in your job description, just doing kind of the extra things. I was always kind of bothering coach with, you know, post-practice notes, post-game, pre-game, hey, let's try this out. So you know, if you if you could show kind of your boss that you know what you're talking about and you have chance to impress them, you know, take that opportunity. Um, I was able to get a lot of great feedback and kind of sharpen my skills, the ones that I at least want to get better at um, to become a coach. So that was super beneficial for me. Um, something else I learned, you know, you, you can't be afraid to get your hands dirty. With all the fun stuff I got to work on with the Iowa Wolves, there was some other stuff that, you know, not everyone wants to do, like laundry, passing out meals. But it, it, at the end of the day, it's all about the team, you know, and, and I was happy to help in kind of any way I could. And even if it means, you know, collecting sweaty jerseys after every game, you know, I was I was ready to help the team in whatever kind of way I needed to. I would guess, too, that maybe your background, you talked about all the places you were at and even like your playing mm-hmm. experiences, did the variety of systems that you had played in and, and seen and been around, did that help you maybe with just, I don't know, your basketball knowledge once you got there? I think so. I've, I feel like I've played for so many different types of coaches, you know, and completely different styles as well. I, at my first team, we were kind of a run and jump team at Bakersfield and super fast paced. Whereas at Stetson, we kind of really slowed it down and played Princeton and a lot of half court offense. So I think it helps. I think once you go to um, kind of the pro level, G League, NBA, like the pace is just a lot quicker. All the actions are, are a lot quicker than kind of what I was used to, in, you know, low mid-major teams in college. So It was a little bit of adjustment, but, you know, basketball is basketball. And and at the end of the day, you know, it it helps me. But once you're in there and in that team and at that level, I think that's the biggest thing that kind of goes towards um, adjusting. Do you have a lot of plays? Do you play a little bit open? Is that I know you only have the one year. And so the one year in itself is kind of a weird year, like you mentioned there. But like, what what was it because of probably the compact season that you guys had? So we had a seven day quarantine in Minneapolis where we couldn't leave our hotel room. Another seven day quarantine um, in Orlando. So kind of how we prepared offensively just within those 14 days was we had a lot of Zoom calls where we're just kind of on PowerPoint, talking about how we want to run our offense, what sets we're going to run. And, you know, a lot of these sets that G League NBA teams are running, a lot of them are the same. It's just about kind of what wrinkles they choose to kind of fit their personnel. So after those 14 days and kind of introducing our stuff visually and just talking with our guys, we had a seven-day training camp. And so that's where we kind of um, were able to put our sets in. Probably a lot of things you've got everyone has seen already, like away action, you know, sending to to the corner, uh, flash action, where if, if things break down, get it to the high posts and, and high splits, low splits. A lot of that was familiar with me because I did Princeton at Stetson. So I, I love, you know, the flash splits action. And then, yeah, and then a lot of ball screens, um, especially towards the end of the season when, when things start breaking down and guys get really tired. They don't want to be running around the whole court mm-hmm. for for 14 seconds, getting into a ball screen and kind of letting the point guard make decisions. That, that was big for us and, and for a lot of teams in that bubble. As a basketball coach, you've probably experienced poor youth sports technology. Apps like TeamSnap and Sports Engine focus only on operations. Wildcard's all-in-one app empowers you to manage your team, plus create social engagement directly with players. 
Your team can stay connected beyond game time with blazingly fast features like chat, virtual challenges, game recaps, and profiles. You can manage simply with scheduling, availability tracking, health checks, rosters, and one-click bulk data import. Sign up before August 15th and get wildcard for free. Sign up, link below. I do kind of want to come back to some of that in just a minute, but this summer we were talking beforehand, you're actually not with them, obviously. Everybody kind of goes their ways after the season's over. The summer you're doing an internship with Coach Phil Beckner. Another incredible opportunity. I mean, you got you've had a lot of cool things already in your young career here. And we were talking too, you had the opportunity to help get guys ready for the for the draft. I always enjoy watching it on, you know, the NBA TV and seeing all the combine stuff and that kind of thing. But the build up to that, there's a lot of work that goes into that. Like what was it like getting guys ready for that? Yeah, it was it was a brand new kind of experience for me. Um, I, I hadn't put too much thought into what goes into pre-draft. And, and from the time guys kind of decide they're putting their name in to, you know, who they're deciding to work out with and spend their time. Um, we had about seven or eight guys kind of from all over the country at, at all different ages, too. McKinley Wright, Colorado, four-year guy. Ochai Agabaji, he's deciding to go back to Kansas. Two Georgia Tech players, Moses and Jose, you know, we had a lot of great guys, so they basically come out for a month, month and a half leading up to the combine, and and they're in here every day, twice a day, getting in work. And it's not a lot of playing; it's it's kind of just sharpening the skills that they feel they need to prove to to scouts, front office, leading up to the combine. And then after the combine, it's they've been out this past month um, just working out with teams, like workout, playing, another workout, playing. Mm-hmm. For the past three or four weeks so that experience has been awesome for me um another thing i kind of learned in this pre-draft process was more about how kind of sports agents work and and how they go about their process and and yeah it's it's been a lot um a lot of information a lot of new stuff but a lot of fun it, it's it's always great to see kind of players um develop even if it's just for a month and a half and then you also had a chance to work the pro day is that right yeah so out in chicago um i think they might have started it Last year is when they allow agencies to um, kind of host a pro day and show off the guys that they've signed. And so I was with Octagon and it was about three hours on the court, three different groups and a lot of the stuff we do here. So we even rehearsed for the workout um, a couple of days before. And yeah, it was a great experience, um, especially to be in front of a bunch of front office personnel and, and be on the court with guys. I think it's um, kind of good for my development and, and a good look for, you know, hey, you know, I, I'm a great person to hire. I'm on the court with these guys and, and working with them. And, and yeah, it, it was it was great. Is that you want to do on court stuff long term? Yeah. So my long term goal um, is to be a head coach on the men's side on the professional level. You know, I kind of grew up around college with my dad at USF and, and watching them. And I really did fall in love with kind of the college process and, and, and helping guys at, at an earlier age. But I think a hard thing for me, especially being a woman, would be in recruiting. So it might be something that I could go back to, you know, when I'm a little bit older, a little bit more mature, and, and, and you know, I'm able to kind of get the trust of, of parents and, and younger men going into college. But right now, um, my kind of sights are set on the professional level. You were talking earlier about the scouting, and, you know, I think it's really cool. I, I feel like a lot of younger coaches will listen to this, and I especially I'm trying to get more women on, and it, it's awesome getting involved in the men's game. And something that I hear, men, women, doesn't matter. But when they're starting out, especially the scouting process, and it's not always being able – it's not necessarily being a scout and, you know, writing down a, a profile for a guy. 
But as you mentioned at the beginning, one of your primary responsibilities just starting out was scouting and prep for other opponents. I'm sure it was adjustments for your own team, that sort of thing. And I, I'm wondering how even what you're doing this summer and what you've done with the pro guys, how have those things helped sharpen your skills? Having gone through it now just one year mm-hmm. and then the work that you did this summer, how do you look at the game differently? How do you evaluate players now maybe differently than you did even 18 months ago? I think the biggest thing that I've kind of um, sharpened up on and a big thing that Phil has kind of helped me with was like body ball movement. Like how do guys move with the ball? Like how do they move on the court? Being around the girls game for so long, you don't get a lot of top level athletes where they're just out there super sharp, super quick, super strong, jumping out of the gym. So I think if you would have asked me first couple weeks in the bubble, like, okay, is that guy an NBA guy? Like, is that an NBA body type? I wouldn't be able to tell you, but now as I'm kind of getting towards the end of my internship, you can kind of tell right away, okay, that guy has an NBA body. He moves like an NBA guy. And that's not something I was able to identify when I was first starting out. Are you doing a lot of on-court stuff? All all on-court. We just got done about 40 minutes ago. We had kind of, um, we have the two Trice brothers, Travis Trice, he's in the um, NBL. And then um, Demetric Trice, he's trying to, you know, find a team for summer league and hopefully pay, play professionally. So we had a ton of guys today. It's about four workouts. So four hours on the court, long days, but but really fun. And we get after it. And and yeah, it's, it's all workouts all day, but it, it's really fun. I'm glad you had the experience to do that because now I think you're going to be able to answer this question a little bit better. I am always telling younger coaches, it is one thing for you to have played the game. It is another thing for you to be able to teach and not just teach the game broadly, but teach like micro skills. Mm -hmm. And for you, especially having played and having played at a high level, like D1 level, the natural progression is, well, yeah, she can coach the game. How has it been? How has it been teaching other people how to play the game? It's different. Like, I feel like I have all these things kind of in my mind concepts wise on how I want to get guys better. But then when you're explaining it, it it doesn't always come out the way you imagine it in your head. And especially with so many different guys where, you know, some guys you'll tell them very simply and they'll get it and they know exactly how to do it. And then with other guys, you have to really get nitty gritty and super Mm -hmm. detailed and we were doing a passing drill today and, and I had it kind of perfectly in my head. I'm like simple. Okay. Like, pound punch pass and alternate hands and I had to re-explain myself about like two minutes into the drill because guys were like passing it across their bodies to the other guys other right hand so yeah it, it, it's different I feel like it's it only comes it only gets better with with mm-hmm. reps I mean because you can think about it as much as you want to but mm-hmm. I, I would guess that as you look back over the last year when it started it's going better now like you you know yeah. what to say so that you're able to identify if a kid can understand it just verbally or I lit a kid one time. I literally told him, you need to spin this way. And I told him about four times, mm-hmm. slowed it down, showed him whatever. The final time I finally grabbed him by his shoulders and I could feel him literally pressing against me the other direction. I was like, mm-hmm. no, this way. And once his body went that way, you could tell it like unlocked his mind. Like he mm-hmm. was able to understand it. I wouldn't have known how to do that unless you go through that. Have you felt that kind of thing? Yeah, exactly how you're saying it. Yeah. So it's like, it's not only just like something where you could say audibly, you know, sometimes you have to literally get your hands on a player and move them this way or show them how to do it, like playing yourself. So there's so many different ways to teach. And and it's funny, I got my master's in um, in education and, and 
kind of how to teach students better. And, and I'm getting a lot of kind of overlap, but it's, it's different just because of the physical aspect and then really having to break it down to players in different ways. It's been most beneficial to me just kind of breaking it down so many different types of ways, not just, okay, do this, do that. Cause then they're out there tripping over their own feet and, and, and totally messing up the drill. Final question here, kind of big picture. I know you're still early on in this and young in the process, but having now been out of school a little bit, what's the best piece of advice? I like to have I like to have even the kids that I graduate from from my programs come back and tell even a year later, right? Because you graduate from college and you know every in your mind you know everything, you're ready to go out, you're ready to conquer everything. But you know, even a, I have found a year out, they come back and they're like, oh these young kids, like they're old and experienced now. So with your old experience that you have now, what piece of advice would you give to that young person who's kind of interested in maybe following a path similar to yours? I have two things. So the first thing would be don't don't wait for the experience in order to like know what to do. So if you want to be in a position like video coordinator or, or Adobo or um, player development, don't wait for that experience to start sharpening those skills. Try to do whatever you can think of to prepare for that opportunity. So a big thing for me was trying to learn sports code because a lot of video coordinators going into the league, they actually don't have a lot of experience with it. So if I could find a way to learn sports code, that was gonna put me ahead of a lot of other kids. Kind of the second thing I would say is, is don't be afraid to reach out to people. You'd be surprised how many coaches, how many people in front office are willing to help you if you ask. Like. You have to go about it the right way, obviously, like be genuine, like don't reach out once, get a phone call and then expect something in return. You know, generally ask for advice and ask for help for coaches and and, and they'll be more than willing to help you. That's been my experience. And, and you know, just keeping up with those contacts as well and, and continuing to learn from them. Don't let it be kind of a one stop shop, you know, get some advice, pack it up and leave. You got to continue with those relationships um, kind of for years to come and keep getting that help. Uh, before I let you go, where can people connect with you on social media? Twitter, Addie Walters. You could add me there. Um, Instagram. I, I think it's something like Addie Walters. I'm not as inst- I'm big on Instagram as much, but um, Twitter definitely. And then you could always reach me kind of via email as well. Addison Walters, zero five at Gmail. That's Addie Walters, basketball associate for the Iowa Wolves. Addie, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.